you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello, 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 and welcome back to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Tom Hunt. Welcome, Tom. Matt, it's an absolute pleasure to be here. And likewise, it's a pleasure to have you. Tom, just before we jump into all the good stuff, could you tell the audience a little bit about who you are and how you ended up where you are right now? Yeah, so I studied chemistry at uni, and then I realized I had a final year project where I was just in my, on my own in, in a lab. <laughs> I'm not really that to have good attention to detail, so I wasn't very good at it. So then I was like, okay, what am I going to do? I went to work for consulting companies for four years. EY and Accenture, never really enjoyed it, but I enjoyed parts of it. And so then I was like, I can't be, I can't do science. I can't be employed. So then I was like, I'm going to have to start a business. So at the start of 2014, I was like, I'm going to replace my salary by starting my own company. By the end of the year, I managed to do that. And then I left. And then pretty much since 2015, I've just been building small internet businesses. Sounds fun. Sounds fun. What what are you working on right now? So right now is really two brands. One is much like bigger than the other. So the, the bigger one is Fame. It's just a productized service, tech-enabled productized service for starting and growing B2B podcasts. We have a remote team. We have 32 people, half full-time, half freelance. And we just start and grow B2B podcasts. Um, that's grown nicely over the past two and a half years. Um, so I think that's probably the, the most relevant thing. That's like 95% of my time. Cool. That sounds amazing. And Tom, one of the things that have really managed to, to make you success, successful or like that have helped you be successful is your ability to really engage and retain talent and particularly considering that the fact that you're running remote businesses, right? So do you want to start telling us a little bit about like what you actually do? Like what are the kind of processes? What are the kind of things that you employ as a business owner to make sure you retain the people in your organization so before we get tactical i'd like to zoom out and be like a bit strategic and this is the insight i've had as a ceo over the past like six months and if so again we're going to really zoom out here basically it's like the ceo the person running the business your job is just to ensure that everybody like connected to your company has a good deal right so the customers have a good deal they're getting more value than they're paying you you're if you have them shareholders are getting a, a good deal they've the value in their business is growing over time um any like partners are getting a good deal even people you're paying are getting a good deal but most importantly your employees are getting a good deal so the, the value they're getting is obviously the money but then what are the other things around the money that is going to make the deal for them better if you do that you're going to get the, the best from them they're going to enjoy their life and they're like they're going to churn less Right. And so I spent a lot of time thinking about how can I make working at fame a good deal for employees. And so I think that's the, that's the mindset that any manager or leader needs to think about before they get into the tactics or like the specific, I don't know, policies of, of making, of managing people effectively. Totally makes so, sense. Yeah, totally makes sense. So everything I'm going to say now is like through that lens. So I think the first thing that we do effectively is that... I think sometimes when you work for a startup, especially one that's raised money, is that they're just trying to milk like absolutely everything from their from their team. That I, I have friends that like insist their employees are in the office at eight and they, that they work late or work on weekends. I think the first thing that we do at Fame is that 
there's like core hours, nine to six. No one has ever been asked to do work outside those hours. Um, so I think that's one thing is that maybe there's like, it's just not being unreasonable. I think sometimes leaders think that everybody else should be as incentivized as they are to make this company amazing. But actually a very small portion of the people have the incentive that you do if you have ownership of the business, right? So I think that that's one thing that we do well. Second thing is we have a monthly like review for all all of my direct reports, 15 minutes, uh, final Friday of every month. So th this means like every, it's so simple, but it just means that every team member like knows they're going to have a chance to talk about the performance or ask questions on the final Friday of every month. And I think that's just such a simple thing, but if you don't have it, it can cause uncertainty. People like will start to resent, maybe they're not getting to talk about their development. And so that happens every month. And in those calls, it's the same four questions that we work through. And it's typically the person in the team who's working through it. And I'm just there to listen slash clarify. So the questions are what's going well, what's going not so well, what do you want to learn and how can I be of better service to you? And so we, went, we run through the questions. I'm like, I might give feedback, but ideally they're just talking about how things are going for them. And so I think those calls have been quite effective for understanding where people want to move within the organization, understanding if people have concerns, et cetera. So that's like two things that yeah. I think we do well. And I think that's, uh, I mean, I, I'm a big, uh, big fan in general of one-to-one -one calls. I do recommend them weekly, not, not monthly, but uh, I, I think just in nice. general, uh, again, the starting point is doing them, right? Because I think the biggest issue where I see that most business owners have is the distance between them and the employees, right? Mm -hmm. It's so easy to make up all these excuses and say, oh, I'm busy. But reality is if you have people working for you, you might be busy, but if you want the best out of those people, you need to invest time with them, right? And if you don't do that, then you, you will never get great output, right? So in those, when you, when you recommend weekly calls with employees, is this to talk about like their performance and how things are going? Yeah, so generally the, the things that I, I generally recommend talking about. So so the problem with discussing, in my opinion, the problem with discussing performance monthly is that you're likely a month behind. And what I mean with mm -hmm. that is that, you know, sometimes people are struggling a little bit or whatever. And if you're looking at data that's a month old, a month have already gone by, right? So for me, the, the number one thing is is focus on the fact that you know, from an employee standpoint, you know, you want to get constant feedback, but also as an employer, you need to help your employee understand how important their performance is for you, right? Because the whole thing is that, at, at least from my perspective, um, the more they understand how important it is for you, the more likely they will put an effort in, right? Or put more effort in. Right. So that that for me is is definitely key. But but in general, honestly, where, where most people fall off the wagon or fail, if you will, is the fact that they're not building relationship with their teams. Right. They don't get to know them. They don't know the name of their kids or, you know, they don't know the important people in the life of their employees. And the, the thing is, as I, I always use the same example. If one of your employees calls in and says, oh, Bob is sick, I can't go to work today. If you don't know if Bob is the cat, the dog, the husband, the, the daughter, uh, the son or whatever, mm. like you probably don't know them well enough, right? Mm. Um, and I, yeah, that that's definitely a key thing for me, so. 
have you read um i've read a book called the advantage by by the guy who wrote the five dysfunctions of a team book he's called patrick something have you read that i have not read that no oh, i have read a lot of books but not that one Oh, it's, it's brilliant. It's, it, he, he basically says that the advantage for any business is, is what he calls organizational health. And he defines organizational health is, is similar to what you're saying is like a having everyone know each other, but then also they're just being like clarity of yeah. what the mission is, what the values are and like how you behave. And so that's another thing that I read a book. I read it twice now, but I think too many businesses like their team don't know what the mission, the purpose is, and what the values are. And, and if there's like this uncertainty, I think that can be really unhealthy for like, a, or like the performance of a team as a whole. And so I think that's something else that's super interesting. Oh, that's a book I would definitely recommend that's helped us a lot. Sounds good. We'll, uh, we'll have it as good to read for the audience. So mm-hmm. excellent. Yeah, I, I think, I think that's great, Tom. Any other things? So, so definitely the one-to-ones is key. Any other things that you have sort of you feel you guys do, or maybe something you do slightly different than what you see happening around you? Yeah. So we we basically only have like minimal meetings, but highly structured, highly efficient meetings. So there's essentially two meetings a week where all of the what we call the leadership team, which is basically it's basically all the full-time team members, two meetings a week, half an hour on Monday and Friday, twelve p.m. And I run those meetings. There's a consistent agenda for each of them and they never go over. Most of them finish early. Um, and some of the agenda items are like reviewing like our values. Sometimes I'll quiz people on the values. We say what our weekly wins are on the Friday and on the Monday uh, regarding getting to know each other. We do like a weekly get to know, we call it with like what everybody says their favorite like food or favorite like fictional character. So I think we do meetings effectively. I then have daily meetings with like three people 10 minutes only again very strict agenda and so i don't know i think that just maybe that's about organizational like efficiency we're not wasting time like communicating stupidly like people can actually spend time doing their jobs Um, that makes a lot of sense because because that happens a lot particularly if you look in the bigger corporate world right and a lot of people who have experienced that end up in that one of the key things i always focus on is when a meeting is done it's done Right. So mm-hmm. a lot of the time people are like, oh, well, this is a half an hour meeting. We should sit here for 30 minutes. And it's oh, like, no way. No, we cover what we need to cover. Let's go. Right. So yeah. like I have many meetings that takes, you know, 18 minutes or 27 minutes or whatever. Uh, and I think it's important to, you know, when a meeting is done, it's done. So you, there's no need to push it out just because it looks good in your schedule. So for sure. And the other, the, the benefit of having like the meeting, a, a, a regular meeting cadence, right? So those meetings happen at the same time every every week. Everybody knows, so we don't have to spend any time talking about the meetings, like when are we having the meetings, or rescheduling, or asking people when they're free. And so it's just like it's a very consistent clockwork meeting schedule that happens every week without fail. Yep. Um, so I think we do that effectively. I think yeah, there's we have four values, and then we also have seven magic moments. And so these are the, we, we have a podcasting service, right? So these are magic moments that we need to hit in order for the client to likely not churn and be happy. And so in those, I use those meetings as an opportunity. This is something from that book, The Advantage. It's just like reinforce clarity about the mission, purpose, values. And so I use those meetings where I'll test new people. I'll be like, name the third magic moment or name our fourth value. And we're doing that all together um, as a team. And then I'll also like pick out some th- 
like communication with a client that was either really good or not so good. And then review that with the team to understand. So everybody can understand like what, how we should be behaving. And so I think it's just reinforcing the, the ethos and the, the culture through those meetings. I think, yeah, basically using them as a tool to reinforce the culture. Um, other things that we do, this is a bit weird. We have a, everybody in the team, uh, gets a bone, a performance-based bonus every month. So even if a freelancer edits like two videos for us, they're still eligible for this bonus. Um, and so that I think is a bit interesting and a bit different. And we use that as a competitive advantage, but especially when we're hiring freelancers, because no freelance would typically get a bonus for the work they do for a business. Um, so I think that's interesting. The way we, the way the percentage of that bonus is decided is not scientific. And I need to work on that because basically how I'm feeling at the end of the month, um, which is not ideal for incentivizing performance. Nope. <laughs> but uh, that's something that, that we'll work on. So let me think if we have anything else that I think is effective. Yeah, I think, I mean, I think bonuses is a good topic to talk about, right? Because mm. I think, I think bonuses is something where, where people often necessarily go wrong, but sometimes they burn themselves a little bit. All right. So one of the key things for me is I, I fundamentally don't believe in bonuses if the company is not succeeding. So one of the big issues, and you'll see this in, in large corporations as well, but you'll have companies that are losing money paying out big bonuses, right? And particularly as a small entrepreneur, that's an issue, right? So if you're running a smaller business and you're paying out bonuses, but you know, you're losing money at the same time, uh, that's often not a good situation to be in, right? So I, I'm, a, I'm definitely a big believer mm -hmm. in looking at bonuses and, and just trying to really structure the bonuses so that you know they're either team-based they're based on all organizational success and good earnings if you will from an organizational standpoint um, and at the same time the number one mistake people make is that they very often give bonuses even when goals are not met mm. and the fundamental problem with that because a lot of time they're like oh yeah you know it was so close or you know this happened or whatever the problem is the second you start doing that, people get used to getting their bonus even when goals are not hit. And suddenly a bonus turns from a benefit to a disadvantage. Because what happens is if people are expecting a bonus and not getting it, then the bonus don't create happiness, then it creates unhappiness. And suddenly you have something you're trying to do as a good thing that end up flipping and actually becoming a negative. Right. So I've seen that both in large, large organizations and I've seen it in tiny, small companies where, where that happens. Right. So one of the recommendations I definitely always have is whenever you put a bonus structure in place, make sure because it, reality is when you're dealing with people's money, you need to be crystal clear. Right. If the bonus goal is not clear and someone is disappointed because of what they're not getting that they expected, you potentially have someone unhappy in your team. And that is not the way to go. So. Agreed. I need to tighten up that bonus. Bonus, uh, the yeah. rules. What, what, what's been the most difficult thing for you in terms of finding your staff? I mean, it, a lot of people is like, oh, it's impossible to find good staff right now. So what, what have you done to, to find your great staff? Yeah, I think we, have, um, we haven't had an issue finding staff. It, there's one specific role which 
is the hardest that we find to hire for the account manager, the person who's responsible for client success, basically. We have a very like, efficient process, I think, for finding these people. We, I think we have quite a good, like fully remote. We, our brand is quite sexy and I can write a good job description. So we just basically put it out on LinkedIn and get hundreds of applicants. Um, that said, I only have a 50% success rate on hiring for this role. Hired four, two haven't worked out. We have three new ones joining in the next month. So we'll see what happens to that. <laughs> to that success rate. Yeah. So I think, yeah, like clearly the demand for the role is not an issue. It's the selection of the person that hasn't been perfect. So the question is, how are we going to improve that? Yeah, that, um, that makes a lot of sense. I, I, uh, I spend a lot of time with this particular, right? Because a lot of the time people are identifying great people, but not necessarily the right people in the right seats. So the problem is everyone has some natural strengths and weaknesses. And the thing is, if your strength doesn't really align to some extent with the role you're doing, and that's, uh, I mean, take, take any average developer and put them into a sales job. Now, they might be a great person. They might be a, an amazing human. But, you know, most developers are shy and reserved. And if you try and put them into a sales role, you know, it, it's likely not going to go very well. Now, it's the same with many, many roles, right? Like you, you really need to understand the sort of behavior and the, the sort of natural skill set that people have to make the best hiring decisions, right? So that's that's definitely something we spend a lot of time and effort on because, um, yeah, putting the right people in the right seat is just so critical for success, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so what I've started doing is bringing in the existing, the, the good ones of this role into the process to do the interviewing. I think that's good to help like we get another insight as to whether we think this person will be good. And the other benefit is also that if you get your own team to, I found this even in the corporate world, if you get your own team to do interviews, that actually just the very fact of like being in the selection process for people coming into the organization, I think uh, enables people to value that part of their, they basically value the job more. And I think it decreases churn. Yep. What do you think? Yeah, and, and I, I totally agree with that. I think when you can engage your your team in general, uh, I've, I've managed customer service team years ago, and, and often we would get, you know, candidates, uh, not necessarily a super long process, but, you know, after an interview, for example, we would get them to go and sit down with the team for 20 minutes, just have a little bit of a chat, what the job's all about and all that kind of stuff. And the whole thing is that, you know, people then get an impression and reality is some, sometimes first impressions are not the best, but uh, really recruitment process and hiring process is about avoiding mistakes. And sometimes just in a five, 10 minute window, you will see some red flags, right? And it's often some red flags that are not obvious during the interview process. So I, I totally agree with that. And I, I really like that approach as well, right? It's also a great way to actually develop your stuff because when I'm growing mm -hmm. and developing my team, right? Like if you involve them more in the interview process, if they have not done interviews in the past and you start interview, uh, involving them in the interview process, that is also a great way to start developing their management skills, right? Because recruitment and finding great people is probably most one of the most valuable business skills out there. Like as a manager or a business owner or anything, if you can hire great people, everything else becomes a lot easier, right? Yeah, exactly. Here's something I, that I would like to ask you about, Matt. You know how like literally every CEO, every recruitment book is all about hiring A players, right? But then if literally everybody is 
try and find A players, then by definition, not everyone is going to get A players. So I think maybe like I don't I don't know if I look for A players. I, I don't know if I need maybe it's just the roles I'm hiring for, but I'm not sure if I need A players. And so maybe a competitive advantage is to not like pay the most and not go for A players. What do you think? I, I think A players is a weird definition, is probably the first thing to say. So um again, most of the time, great people are not great at everything. So it's in my experience, it's much more about finding the right people for the right seats, and then they will be A players. So the, the thing is, you will have people that will be absolutely outstanding at one thing and fail completely at something else. So I don't generally see people as A, B, or C players. I, I would say this way, if you turn it around, there's definitely some things that I don't look for in employees. So, you know, a super negative attitude or you know, constantly criticizing everything and everyone and so on. So that, there's definitely things that I'm not looking for in people, but but there's plenty of great people out there that can perform extremely well in many different roles, right? And and I think the, the key thing is finding the right type of people for the right kind of roles. And then really um, most of great performance come from the systems and the processes you have around, not just the people, right? Like it's not just you hire someone great, you open the front door and they walk right in and perform. Like a lot of the time, the best performers perform well because of simple things. For example, you know, the first day they walk into the office, what they have to do is extremely clear. Like there's no doubt they don't, some, sometimes you see new people and, and new people, if you're having your first day on a job, you're excited. Uh, in most cases, right? You're excited. You want to do this thing. Now, if you're being told like, oh yeah, you know, just sit down and look at Facebook a little bit because we're, we're trying to figure out your logins and, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll figure out your task in a few weeks and, you, you know, that kind of stuff. Like if, if you're not ready, like that alone, you can literally crush a great employee by being, by not being ready uh, in the beginning. All right. And yeah, I, that's I mean, so right. I've made that mistake. I've been there. I've been there plenty of times, right? Like sometimes you're hiring and particularly as a small business owner, you know, you're like, okay, I'll have some time here. And then, you know, hell freezes over or something and you don't. Uh, so, so I've been there, but again, the better systems you have, the clearer direction you have, uh, the more likely you are to succeed, right? So a lot of the time people sit down and say, oh, you know, I've hired like seven people and they all suck. And I'm like, well, if you see the same problem occurring again and again, the problem might not be those people. It might be found uh, very close to your home, right? Yeah, um, agreed. So we, I, um, I think that's one of the key things for me, at least. Yeah, so we, I, for hiring, I have a Trello board. And then whenever I move a card from like contract into hired, that kicks off a new automation, which then creates the, a Trello card on the main board, which is where everyone does their work and is assigned to the new person and has a list of about 13 things that they need to do over the first two days. One of which is quite interesting is go to find two other people in different roles in the organization, book a call in their calendar um, for an onboarding call, which is, again, as per the meetings we discussed, like the agenda is preset right um so i totally agree that's only a recent thing we've done but i think that's working well and the the, the other point i make this goes back to the thing i was saying at the start is that your job as ceo is to make sure it's a good deal for everybody i see part of my role is like actually making we, we, the account manager and the project manager if my role is partially like building the automation and systems and processes and working procedures to make their jobs easier 
so that they enjoy their jobs more. So they churn less. And so we get a, get better results for the clients. So I spend, I try and spend like an hour every morning looking at what I call the product, which is just a service and the system and the automation to try and see if we can like automate small tasks or if, if I can build a better working procedure. And so it's again, going back to my point, like we're serving the employees. Totally. And, and I think um, I, I, I like the way you think about it, right? Like I, I think a lot of the time, again, people are busy being busy and there's always stuff to do. But I think the most important, the, the thing that differentiate the people who succeed fast and the people who succeed significantly slower. And reality is in most cases, if you consistently work at something for long enough, eventually you will get some kind of success, right? If you can eat and stuff as long as that takes but but in general you will get some kind of success but but definitely for me faster success is definitely about putting yourself in a situation where it's not just about service right but it's about doing the right things because it is easy to be busy but it is so important to take that look and say you know if there's one thing I'm doing today or tomorrow or this week that's really going to move the business forward what is that Right, and that actually goes back to one of my favorite uh, books by Jay Papasan called "The One Thing," where where he's very clearly lays out like how how often people don't understand what really moves the world or move their world forward, right? And because of that, they they just end up in a situation where they're doing things, they're feeling busy but they're not doing the things that change the business, right? And the way what you were talking about with the systems and so on, again, it's not about sitting down, spending every minute of every day, but if you have a consistent process, that means that once every so often you look at this thing, over time, it will improve and it will get better. And that is the main thing, right? Yeah, agreed. Well, that sounds that sounds cool, Tom. Uh, any, other, any other interesting findings or any other unique things that you guys do that you want to share with the audience? Yeah, I think, again, it's a bit of a like obscure point, but the way I, I don't know, I think our business is working well is because it's like a snowball going down the hill like this momentum and it's very clear where we're going, what everyone needs to do. And because well, I've been working on making it a better deal, we haven't had churn. I think like employee churn can be really like detrimental to especially a service business where employees may have built relationships with clients and so maybe i'm just trying to underscore the importance of like having a healthy organization and ensuring that you're making your employees have a good deal because i feel like so much of business is about momentum and you just have to like keep going in that direction slowly over time and that's how you're going to grow versus having people leave pivoting like people not being sure about what they're doing or what the business is doing and so it's like i don't know it's why i really like that book the advantage because he talks about organizational health which i think is really what i'm trying to get to here so it's not like a specific thing but that's like a, a, another general point that I, that I think is important yeah that totally reminds me i mean i, I one of my businesses uh it's a large outsourcing company right where uh, initially we were we were basically trying to place people so we basically operate like a recruitment agency you know we found a bunch of people let the client interview them and then eventually they would pick someone and then they would just work with them directly right and what we found and we couldn't understand to start but just things never worked out and i'm like you know if things doesn't work out occasionally it makes sense but when 95 percent of the time stuff fails you're like this is weird 
And really what it came down to, like we, we started looking at the process and in most cases, it was how people were being managed, right? Like if mm. you don't manage the people well, it's, you know, it's difficult. And, and the problem with an outsourcing company was that to most people, it was cheap labor. So they didn't really bother spending a lot of time and effort on them. And like all people, if you're doing something and you don't feel appreciated and you don't feel anyone's looking and you don't feel anyone cares, like you're probably not going to get it your best, right? And you're probably not, you probably don't know what your best is or how to do your best, right? Mm -hmm. And it was very, very interesting. So we took it in-house and we started basically supporting with the actual people management and making sure that people were okay and making sure that, you know, from a, from a personality perspective and so on, that, that people were in a good spot. Um, and that just made such a huge difference, right? Like we, we literally went from having 5% client success to having 85, 90% client nice. success. Right. And the whole thing is whenever you're hiring, like you will make mistakes and, and because you're dealing with humans. So, you know, sometimes you hire someone else. Great. But two days later, someone close to them passes away and, you know, their mindset goes totally haywire like stuff happens when you're dealing with humans right and the whole thing is that you know it's about increasing the odds and really making the success rate as high as you can right so agreed excellent tom any uh, you've mentioned a few resources already but just before we finish up here any other resources that you'd like to share with the audience that you feel you've benefited from yeah so i his name is patrick lencioni and his most famous book is The Five Disciples of a Team. I actually haven't read that, but he's got like seven other books. And some of them are like parables, which are great because it's like a story and then you get the lessons. Um, so I would highly recommend The Advantage, which I think is his best, just about organizational health. But then he's got like seven other ones, which are all like, it's all about people, management, leadership. And I've read like six of them, I think. And so I, that's probably the only recommendation I would give to somebody. If they like, go and check out his books, choose one that you think is most relevant to your challenge now. And then maybe you'll get, get hooked and read the rest. Um, but that's probably the most, the thing that I would go for. Fantastic. Well, Tom, thank you very much for joining me today. It was fantastic having you on and uh, thanks for sharing. If people are eager to get hold of you, what's the best way to do so? Yeah, they can go to search Tom Hunt on LinkedIn if you want to chat about management, et cetera. Fame.so is the podcast agency we've been speaking about. I also have my own podcast, but it's about like B2B marketing. So it's called Confessions of a B2B Marketer, um, if, if anybody's interested in B2B marketing. Excellent. Thank you very much, Tom. That was fantastic. To the audience, we'll be back again next week. Thank you for hanging on all the way to the end. Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.